When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feed to the right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Hey, welcome, Kings fans, to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the unofficial podcast of RinkRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kimball, and before we get started, I just want to let you know that you can find us on Twitter at RinkRoyalty and also at Royalty underscore pod. We got a great show lined up for you today. Before we get going, I'm going to bring in our star cast right here. First of all, we got Mr. Ryan Spikes. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, Scott. How are we doing tonight? Very good. Very good. A little disappointed in that rain game that just ended, but that's okay. Yeah, it was a baseball score that broke out. (laughs) Right, the tribute to 80s hockey tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the final for our listeners. Yeah, oh, my God. We we, we have to talk about that again? (laughs) Moving on. Uh, (laughs) Up next, we got Ryan Cowley. How are you, Ryan? Uh, 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 You know, overall, guys are really well. I'm uh, feeling a bit better today. I... Uh, after last night's game, I closed all the blinds uh, and shut myself off in the world. So I'm okay now. Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, yeah. I hear you there. The blinds are so close. There's always though, right? tomorrow. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, semantics, guys. Yeah, there you go. Uh, up next, Mr. Russell Morgan. What's going on, Russ? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to be here again. That's right. Gonna have, we're going to have a great show tonight. And last but not least, from our end of it anyway, Mr. Jack Weber. What's going on, Jack? Not too much, Scott. Just, uh, you know, went out and enjoyed some nice spring weather we had in Toronto today. Tried to forget about that Kings game last night. 
Oh, don't we all want to forget about that? I hope everybody's got their beverage of choice to help do that. I got <laughs> All right. So, for, so I want to bring in our guest this week. Now, this week we're doing a little cross-podcast promotions here. Uh, we like to uh, talk with other podcasters for the L.A. Kings world. It's always a good time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in the guys from the Batterman's L.A. King podcast. First of all, I got Mr. Carl Blickian. How you doing, Carl? I'm doing great, guys, and I really do think this is the collab that everyone's been clamoring for. I'm so <laughs> proud that we could deliver it, and it's already lived up to the expectations, so everything from here on out is gravy, in my opinion. Yeah, we can shut it down. All right. <laughs> okay, that's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> do I get to say hi? <laughs> Don't need it. Don't need you. I handled Silent it. Silent partner. Take care, folks. <laughs> <laughs> And I got your partner on the line here. I got Mr. Vari Garibian. What's going on, Vari? Hey, Scott. Nice to nice to be here, guys. I, I agree with Gato. I think we're like the uh, Avengers of King's podcast, and we're finally coming together here. <laughs> excellent. Awesome. Excellent. All right. So for this show, folks, what we want to do is we're going to let the Bannerman pick out 10 of our L.A. Kings, and we're going to hand out grades for those Kings. So we're going to see if we agree, we disagree, or whatever we're going to do. So... We're going to let you guys lead it off. So why don't you guys give us your first king that we can grade? Hey, before we do that, Scott, real quick, I'm just going to jump in. I just want to ask, you know, what, what, uh, how did you guys decide to come up with your podcast? Um, I'll, I'll start it off, and I won't tell them all the details, Vardy, so you could have a place in this show. All right, great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, um, we've been fans for as long as personally I can remember. I don't have any memory of my life where I wasn't a Kings fan. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's very true. I, I hear these very romanticized tales of my dad taking me to the forum when I had no idea who I was, what I was, where I was, all that good stuff. Uh, tickets were pretty cheap back then, too, so we got to go off. And, uh, but, you know, over the years, I think Vardy and I being friends as long as we have, and it's been a very long time since we were kids, uh, we ended up always kind of watching games at the same time, not in the same place, but at the same time, we ended up kind of texting back and forth about the games, like almost play-by-play, play, you know, breaking down each play, each goal. And it got to the point where, like, why don't we just kind of turn on a microphone and, and do this vocally <laughs> instead of, you know, putting, uh, getting our phone bill up with our data charges so much. So that that's really how it came about. I mean, there's a ton of details in between, uh, but that's kind of the genesis of the Bannerman podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a nice little summary. It was just, uh, you know, our, our wives would basically say, "Are you texting your mistress every time that we were talking to one another while we were?" <laughs> I don't appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, they were jealous of our relationship. So what can you say? But um, that's really what it was. I mean, we were just talking so much about it, and that's and it's not to say that we know any more than anyone else, but um, we certainly like to talk to one another, and we thought what the heck let's just let's just do this for fun just kind of see what happens and i think we're up to episode 67 68 somewhere around there now going across the course of three seasons so you know we're not recording every single week because uh, life gets in the way but um i think we initially started it for fun and then it just kind of became something that uh we really uh keep trying to get better every episode and we really keep trying to do this because we enjoy it like it's nice to have more and more people listening it's nice to have all the interaction on twitter it's nice to be involved with other podcasts obviously but i think more and more for us it's become a kind of a point of pride uh 
to to be able to do this and and do what we consider a decent job from episode to episode. That's awesome. And I saw that you guys are recently on the King's Men podcast, all the King's Men podcasts. I was just wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Uh, sure. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of nice. It was kind of out of the blue. You know, we had met Jesse um, before in person. Uh, I want to say not maybe it was last summer. We went to Irvine because I live in San Diego and Goddard lives up in uh, in L.A. where I'm originally from. And so we met kind of halfway in Irvine when the uh, the prospects tournament was taking place between Colorado, uh, Arizona Ducks and the Kings. And, you know, we were there, we were watching, having a good time. And Jesse was just kind of there covering it. And so we went, we introduced ourselves and um, we kind of kept the line of communication open. And obviously he, you know, he's, he's got his own thing going on and the Kings are, they have their own iHeartRadio network and everything like that going. Um, and so it just kind of, I think over the years got to the point where we were communicating a bunch and he was kind enough to extend an invitation to us. And, and uh, obviously we, we went ahead and we accepted that. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan, because uh, one of the main reasons we started this podcast is because we saw, you know, Jesse's podcast when he started, he was a fan. He was not involved with the Kings. It was him and his buddy, the Royal Half. So they were very much like two guys who love to talk hockey, and they decided to do a podcast. And clearly their success is now, you know, everyone kind of knows how far he's gone with that. And he's, you know, what he did is he, he took – fandom and he made it into seemingly a career or at least a part of his uh his career so he was a big him and the royal half i think were a big inspiration for us to get it started because the one thing and, I, and, and obviously you guys will probably agree with this is these days you know fans are not just people who just watch the games there's more to it with all the information with all the analytics with all the resources we have like knowledgeable fans are becoming more and more common, which is a great thing to see. Absolutely. And what, what's even better is that we're getting the confidence to go on platforms and, and discuss the game because we know the game. I'm confident in saying that now. And I'm, and I could say the same for you guys. We appreciate that. And you know, this is obviously a Scott said episode eight for us. You guys are close to 70. What would you say, I guess the biggest thing that you've learned um, <clears throat> since you started your podcast um, if I, I, we've probably learned different things individually. Um, I think, I think one of the things that we, we kind of stick to is, uh, you know, we, we have an outline for every episode, not, not a thorough one. It's almost like four or five bullet points that we really want to hit, but we find that in our opinion, and, and people are free to disagree, uh, we find that our favorite episodes, the ones that we think come off the best are the ones where we start with the bullet points and then we just kind of see where it takes us, you know, like it leads to some of the best open-ended conversations and they're not always necessarily Kings related, you know, like we always say that we love hockey first and we love the Kings second, you know, it just happens to be that the Kings are the team that we experience the game most through and we love the most, but Otto and I have both played hockey most of our lives. We we love the game more than more than the Kings. I'm I'm, I'm I have no shame in saying that. And so when we start every episode, kind of start, we talk, and then we just we just see where it takes us. We we just let it run. And awesome. another thing, I just want to add to that. Um, another thing we've learned, and 
is that it, it's good to set yourself apart. There are so many Kings podcasts now in the space. Well, not too many, but there are now a handful at least. Um, and if we all just kind of, you know, looked at the Kingsman podcast and did what they did, no one would listen to our show because they have the resources, right? And they, they have the experience, they have the guests, like it'll be hard to compete. And we're not competing. I just want to clarify, I'm using that word, but yeah, I don't think sure. there's competition here. There's, you know, how many, you know, you take all the Kings fans in LA, in California, and then you have to divide that into listeners. You have to divide that. In, it just becomes a small group of people that probably look for this content. Right. But setting yourself apart, I think, has been, it's happened for us organically, but it's been very important. I think the way what we try to do is, yes, we're a Kings show, uh, but we, I think we pride ourselves. I'm proud of the fact that we can talk about any team. We can talk about any player. We can talk about any era. Um, and we could bring it back to the Kings. Uh, so that's that's one thing I think we've learned is important to do is that, yes, Kings fans are looking for us most likely if they're looking for a Kings podcast, but it's nice to be able to give them something else. Not saying other podcasts don't, but I think we take we make it a point to really discuss every other team as much as we can. Yeah, and I love that you use the word um, non-compete, you know, because yeah. we've been wanting to get you guys – <clears throat> on the podcast, you know, we're obviously episode eight for, uh, I'll say a while loosely, but um, we view it more of as a collaboration than Absolutely. anything. Oh, yeah. So no, it's funny. You. We 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 joked with one another, you know, you guys uh, you guys were tweeting out for the last couple of weeks what the lineups were going to be like for the upcoming episodes. And it was like you had the guys from Dover Hockey, you had, uh, you had Bernstein on, and then you had us and we're like... <laughs> Something does not fit in these <laughs> in this lineup, and uh, so I don't know. It, it was kind of humbling seeing us in that in that uh, lineup a little bit. I I never thought I would be you know closing for DB, but here I am. Oh, yeah, I mean, don't sell you guys short. This is an important episode for us for sure. I appreciate yeah, that. I'm happy to be here, guys. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah. So Scott, did you want to kind of dive back into? Let's start with the grading, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I, and I. <laughs> that's okay so i'll just kind of take over i've had to cover for him he's a fireman so he's had a last minute or a couple of last minute cancellations on us um so we asked is the audio coming through okay i've gotten a couple like buzzing tones and stuff i don't know if those are my headphones or what is going on i think it's the it's the russian what is that again it's the russians actually so (laughs) (laughs) yeah our teacher man he says it's good yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Cool. So cool. we asked you guys to pick ten prospects, four forwards, four defensemen, and two goalies. Obviously, the two goalies are pretty self-explanatory. Um, we're at the mid-season point of the 2021 uh, hockey season, and we would like to just kind of discuss. Uh, let's start with the forwards. Just pick a player and just kind of dive into your grade and why you gave them that grade, and then we can uh, respond. Take it away, Gosh. You started off. Oh, I will. I will gladly take it away because I'm going to start with my one of my favorite Kings prospects, but he is now a full time player, and that's Gabe Velarde, is the player that I like to start with. Uh, I, I gush about this kid on our show so much that I felt it was fitting for me to to kind of start this off with him. And again, given his age, given the kind of flashes of brilliance we've seen from him. It's very, very, very hard for me not to give him an A. So I'm going to start off nice and rosy. We're going to be very complimentary. We're going to give 
uh, I'm going to give Gabe Velarde an A. I think in terms of prospects, I can't think of a more impressive prospect that the Kings have had in the last decade, maybe 15 years, um, in my opinion. Obviously, when you go back that much, you're talking about Kopitar. Um, you're talking about Drew Doughty came in a little later, so maybe Drew Doughty was a little more impressive than Gabe Velarde has been. But to me, he is the most impressive forward prospect the Kings have had in over a decade. I think for his age, the poise we've seen from him, the hands, the creativity, it's very, very exciting. And the another reason I'm giving him an A other than his on-ice play is his ability to bounce back from what looked to be a debilitating back injury that could have derailed his career early on. Like, we were nervous and on our show. I don't know how many times, like, we almost openly wept every time he got <laughs> injured because we were so excited for this prospect. But I think... You know, there was a time when bef- before the season we were like, oh, you know, if Gabe's our second line center, we'd be happy. But now, watch out, man. I know we got Byfield in the line in the pipeline, but it, I would not be surprised if Gabe Velarde is the future number one center of this team and not Quinton Byfield. So that's that's my kind of love letter to Gabe Velarde. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that letter grade, Carl. I mean, yeah, I would I would probably give him an A too. I mean, he's still a young prospect, but like you mentioned, I mean, he has that potential to be that number one uh, star. I mean, I know when uh, he he was out for that extended period of time with that back injury. I mean, I was doing every search I could possibly do to try to figure out what was going on with that kid. See if he's skating, trying to figure out what agent he has, so I can see what's going on with <laughs> with him. But I mean, when you see the highlights that he's putting up up in Kingston, it was kind of. I mean, it was exciting to watch. You you love the potential that he has, and he had those couple of games when he came and played with Ontario, and that was nice to see, and then he had to kind of get that setback, so that was a little discouraging, but when he came back, he kind of came back with some vengeance, and I mean, he stepped in with the Kings last year, had seven points in 10 games, and looked pretty good with Ferg, so I mean, this year has been kind of up and down for him, I would say. Um, it's been there's been times where he's been really exciting, and there's been times where he's been disappointed. I mean, last yesterday was kind of the main, I mean, Todd McClellan kind of called called them out today or last night after the presser and said that it's maybe time for us to sit some kids. Maybe, maybe it's him. I'm not sure. But, I mean, personally, I think it's just kind of like the line juggling that, that has been going on with Velarde. I would like to see him playing with maybe some higher quality players. I mean, we'll probably talk about Kempe here later on, but I've got a, kind of got a grudge against him. But um, I think he's been, he's been, things has been well. And I, I, I like the A grade for him. Yeah, and what a feel-good story it was for him last year to, to come back after all he went through and scored, like, what, five seconds into his first shift in the yeah, yeah. NHL game? I mean, how awesome was that? And, yeah, I mean, you know, really impressive start, I thought, to his career and a little bit of adversity. He's going through for the first time right now, struggling a bit lately. You know, McClellan called him out after the game yesterday, but it's to be expected. You know, you're going to hit a bit of a wall at some point as a young player, and now we just have to, to see how he responds. Yeah, and to add to your point, Russell, I'm going to read the exact quote, you know, Gabe Velarde, um, he, he registered 9 minutes, 43 seconds, time on ice last night. It was the lowest of his season. Um, and Todd McClellan said after the game, he needs to play better. He has to be a factor in the game. So um, to your point, he's kind of the latest in, you know, one, two, three of, of a line of players that have recently been called out in Blake Lazat's line. Um, Adrian Kempe was the last one to be called out, and he ripped off five goals in two games against, albeit it was against the Ducks, so take it for what it's worth. But um, I'm interested to see how Velarde responds tomorrow afternoon against Vegas. 
Yeah, oh I know. My I, God, you guys are so nice. Well, I, uh. <laughs> it, I gotta tell you, I I can't agree with it. Today. Sorry, guys. Thank you. <laughs> um, I love Gabe Velarde. He's a wonderful story after everything he's been through. You're absolutely right. But here's the thing. He's been given every single chance to succeed so far. And I realize there's been line juggling and all that. I know. But first it was the faceoffs. And now he's not shooting the puck enough. I understand. He, listen, he's a young player and he's going to get better. And I see him as the, the runaway number two center for the rest of this season and probably going into next season. And I'm not going to flunk him or anything like that. I would say he gets a B. You know, but it just for me, he's got to start showing more aggressiveness out there if he really wants to hang on to this number two spot. Because going into next season, there is going to be a log jam of prospects fighting for center spots in training camp. And if he doesn't step it up and if he doesn't start impressing McFarlane a little bit more, he very much will uh, risk sliding down the hill a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up Scott on this. I'll give him a B plus because to me an A implies consistency, implies that you have been doing everything right. You know what I mean? That's the and I 100% agree. You know, if, looking back to our our discussion of him when he first debuted, I mean, I we full on gushed. We had visions of of Kopitar's debut when he had two goals in his debut. We we're like, oh my God, Gabe's the second coming of that. I mean. And, and he still may be that guy. There's absolutely 100%. He's got the skill. He's got the size. He's got the ability. But just like any other young prospect, especially one that maybe is coming in and being thrust into a position of second line center with line juggling, with some injuries. I mean, we brought up Martin Furk. Guys played 10 minutes this entire season. Okay. So it's it. there has been a lot of consistency issues. Face-offs, things like that, I can tolerate that. You're going to learn that. I, I don't expect him to go up in the circle against Ryan O'Reilly and beat Ryan O'Reilly. You know what I mean? Ryan O'Reilly wasn't beating guys the first season he was in the, in the league. So that's going to come. But to me, if you're going to give him an A, that implies that he is doing everything right night in, night out, even if the production isn't necessarily there. And I'm I'm not seeing that every single night. There's a lot of inconsistency. There's a lot of floating and, you know, if he's going to be a guy that's carrying a line and isn't necessarily depending entirely on who his line mates are to produce, he's got to be that guy. You know, let's let's we're, we're going to talk about Anderson Dolan probably at some point. But I feel like anyone who plays with Jad ends up elevating their game. And yet we're still starting trying to figure out who's going to be the guy with with Velarde, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have one question. Sure. Everyone, you, you guys know he's 21, right? I'm just... I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> okay, 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 cool, cool. Just making sure. Just, I'm well no, aware. No, no listen, I'm, I'm joking, and you guys are making great points, but think of this. Todd McClellan, with his resume, the, the years he's coached, the players he's coached, for him to feel comfortable to call out a 21-year-old center in the media tells you what he thinks of that player, and it's a positive thing. That means he believes he can take that adversity... That means he knows it's not gonna it's not gonna crush him. It's not gonna make him crumble. And I fully expect him to respond accordingly. How many coaches do you know at that experience level that will call out young players instead of coddling them, whether it be in the media, whether it be in the locker room? So to me, that shows me a lot of what our coach thinks of that player, and it further makes me want to give him another A. Let's give him another A. Another A. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, kind of well, to your point. In his last name. All right, guys. So who's your next player? So next, I think we should get into Adrian Kempe. How does everyone feel about that? I think oh, Russell yeah. brought him up. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to piggyback on that. Russell's um, 
<laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, I give I give Adrian Kempe uh, a B this season. Okay, uh, very similar issues to me that he has had last season as well, which is very obviously the consistency. Um, there there are games where he looks like he is a thirty goal scorer. He looks like he's a guy who can take a game over, and there are games where he completely disappears. Um, you know, Ryan, you brought this up against Anaheim house on fire could not, could not help but put pucks in the net. But again, that's against Anaheim against Colorado, against St. Louis, against Vegas, the last four games or five games over, in fact, minus five or something like that. And that's not just him. The entire team, you know, didn't play well against those teams. I fully admit that. But if we're going to be looking at this guy to be, the next wave of player to be the next kind of guy as a first round pick. And as the guy who's older than the rest of the prospects we have coming in, there has to be a level of consistency because you can't, we don't know what we have with him yet. I mean, I swear every time we look at him, we go, this is a 20 goal score on, on its surface with his talent and his ability. He is a perennial 20 goal score. And yet he's just not playing like that. So I don't know how much of a leash they have. I think in prior years without a deep enough prospect pool, you maybe hang around and you hang around and you hang around. But like like you guys mentioned, with the logjam of prospects coming in, I really do wonder how long they envision Adrian Kempe being a guy who's going to be part of this team in the future versus, you know, a guy that you plug in for a couple seasons until someone better comes along and you feel just fine moving moving out. Yeah, I think that's fair. That, that's definitely a fair assessment. You know, I mean, you got to remember, too, the Kings had such high hopes for him that he was going to end up being a top six forward. And I think realistically, we have to accept the fact that he's a third liner. He's a third liner well, that can get you get you a goal every yeah. once in a while. But, you know, that, let's forget about him being in the top six. Yeah, I mean, and I wrote. Yeah, I think all this talk. And uh, sorry. Um, yeah, I was just saying I, I wrote about Kempe the other day and I said pretty much the same thing. You know, it's just it's the consistency. We just had a nice start to the year. Went invisible for a while, then had you know a great week last week, and now the last few games he's kind of been invisible again. So you just never really know what you're going to get with him. The skill is evident when when he's when he's playing well, but yeah, like with that all those young forward prospects coming, I'm just still not sure if he's a long term piece for this team or not. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I hear all this talk. Adrian Kempe is just an enigma to me because I hear all this talk about him being, oh, he's a 20-goal scorer. He's a top six scorer. I mean, Adrian Kempe has never scored 20 goals in his whole career. And, I mean, that's going back to when he was playing in Sweden. He's never scored more than 20 goals. Why do we keep putting him in this position so we can make him, like, elevate his game to where he's not – I mean, that's not the type of game he is. I think of Adrian Kempe as almost like this Carl Soderberg kind of player. He's going to get you. He's going to get deep in, in the offensive zone. He's going to forecheck. He's going to try to create some plays. But, I mean, if you think – and he's, I mean, on the power play, he's looked great. I mean, I think half of his points – I think he has 19 points in the season, and of 11 of them are calling the power play. I might be wrong on that. But uh, it's just – it's it's so frustrating to watch his game because I'm, I've mentioned this before. I almost just want to see a player on the other team just get, like – hit him like in the back of the head and so he can kind of wake up a little bit and then all of a sudden you get angry and Adrian Kepe for the rest of the game because that's where it seems he seems to elevate his game this this whole talk about him um, being on the line with Gabriel Velarde it's kind of disappointing because I do want to see Velarde playing with someone who's a little bit better and 
Kempe's had some pretty good chemistry with Lazat, so I'm hoping to see Kempe playing with him going forward. But I would probably give Kempe a C, C minus, probably going right now. Um, but if he can stay consistent and consistently put the puck in the net, then maybe that grade goes up. And Russell, eight of his 19 points have come on the, the power play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and I, mean, I will say, if I can, sh- I can just jump in real quick. Sure. It has been, it has been a very nice change having him on the point on the power play. I would have never thought that that's where they would have played him. Uh, you know, <laughs> you guys can feel free to disagree with us on this one. But one of the things we lamented is that when the Kings had Kovalchuk for that brief period of time, it seemed like they could never actually get the power play to run through Kovalchuk to be taken that shot. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden. We're doing that with Adrian Kempe, who was nowhere near the goal scorer that Ilya Kovalchuk was. So mm-hmm. it, he has been very, you know, he's been doing a great job there. And so that makes it even more frustrating to me that, like, they found a way to use his talent, the talent that I didn't know he possessed, and yet we still can't get any consistency out of him. Yeah, Absolutely. please don't get me started on how badly the Kings misused Ilya Kovalchuk. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Forget the rest of this episode. Let us talk about how Ilya Kovalchuk was misused by the Kings because we can do two hours on that, yeah. no problem. <laughs> with you 100%. Oh, yeah, Kempe is at a 14.5% uh, shot percentage. He's got a career-high 17 minutes average time on ice. Um, <clears throat> the other night in the reverse, re- reverse retros, excuse me, he had that really nice drive to the net. That's what I've seen more from him this year is attacking. But, yeah, he's still not consistently getting this, the points. I mean, let me ask you this question, guys. If you had to pick one guy to keep long-term, and granted they're three years apart, would you rather keep Alex Iafala or Adrian Kempe? Ooh, that's a spicy meatball. That's a great Ooh. question. Because now, because uh, I have to actually, like, think about that. But I will say this. I think we're at the point with Kempe where what you see is what you get. He's 24 years old. He's going to be 25 this year. I think we, I think we have a pretty good idea of what he is. And I think it's the same for Ayafalo. I think what you see with him right now is probably what you're going to get. And if, if those are facts, and I think they are, I got to go with Alex Ayafalo simply based on the fact that the prospects coming up for the Kings, the wingers specifically, look pretty good. I know there are some centers that could convert to wing. I think Kempe's in that center-wing kind of hybrid role. And I think the way Kempe plays is very much a one-and-done kind of a player. I, 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 don't, I don't see many, or I don't remember many shifts where Kempe dominated possession in the zone got it to the point and and you know the Kings had zone time for a long time. I see him very much as an on the rush threat. I see him as a you know get one good look and it's out of the zone and that's not exactly all his fault. It's it's with who he's played, it's with situations like that, but I think you need Alex Ayafalo to win and I'm not sure if you need Adrian Kempe to win. Yeah, because I think that's, uh, Kempe ahead, doesn't go to the dirty areas like Ayafalo does. Well, another thing that I am concerned about is do you guys think I follow benefits from playing with Kopitar? I mean, you saw it from uh, yesterday's game. Kopi shot the shot the puck on net, bounced off Laner, uh, his his pads, and then I follow was right there to scoop and score. Um, I'm worried that I follow's production may take a dip if he gets replaced by an Arthur Kaliev 
or uh, Samuel Fagamo, or we've recently seen Alex Turcotte on the wing uh, in Ontario, you know. Well, who wouldn't benefit from playing with Kopitar, right? And, you know, I think yeah, stupid I question, right? he's been in the league for four <laughs> years and he spent almost all of it playing on Kopitar's wing. So, you know, he's a great fit up there. And, you know, even playing first line minutes, he doesn't necessarily put up a ton of points. And, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if he were to – or if he's trying to do another team or if he does eventually move down the lineup a bit, yeah, his, his offense is probably going to fall off a bit. Not that, you know, he, he's lighting the world on fire to begin with, but he's one of those guys, you know, he does do the little things. He, you know, he goes to dirty areas, and he does do things that help you win games that don't always show up on the scoreboard. And one thing I will say, yes, he, you know, I've, I've asked this question myself is like – you know, is Alex Ayafalo a top-line winger? As Is Alex Ayafalo actually a top-six winger? I think two seasons ago we had this whole thing. It's like, okay, well, this season he's on the top six, but next season he won't be because Kovalchuk's coming in, and it just never happened. So we've had guys uh, come and go, and he's still been the number one option on the left side of Kopitar. So at, at some point you have to wonder, hey, maybe he is the perfect fit for this player. Andrzej Kopitar historically has never had – you know, amazing wingers. He's had good, solid wingers, you know, Justin Williams, Dustin Brown. Neither of these guys are 40, 50 goal scorers, but they got, just got the job done. And I think Kopi's the type of player, much like Sidney Crosby, but to a lesser degree, that he does not need perennial all-stars on his wing to be the effective player that he is. So I think we're at the point where it's not about, it's not about is Alex Ayafalo a top-line winger, it's that he is the best fit for Kopitar and Brown right now. And I'm, I've accepted that and I'm ready to move forward with that because then all that does is give us more depth on the bottom, on the bottom lines, which is what, what you need to win. And I'm glad we're talking about him because he was going to be my next player uh, that we're going to grade. It was going to be I follow and I was going to yeah. give him a B plus for uh, all the reasons kind of, we just talked about and the fact that year in and year out players come and go and every coach we've had still sees him as the best option for our best player. So with his and he with his limitations and he has a few and that's why I'm giving him a B plus because I think when you're on the line with Kopitar you better finish at a high rate and I think he is finishing in dirty areas but I think he could be a little better in terms of lighting the lamp. I like that I like that grade for I follow. I think I mean we all kind of know he's not really going to be the top line left wing for a successful Stanley Cup contender but I think he's elevated his game pretty well. Um if if we get to a point where we have enough roster talent to where he's playing maybe left wing two or left wing three even, I think that's a very successful team because that's where he has the chance to success, succeed. He's he's He has the ability to get in those dirty uh, areas and uh, establish a forecheck, create some plays. Um, but, I mean, if he's going to be our left wing one going into the next season, then I'm a little – I'll be a little scared. Um, I have a little stat to throw at you guys. You guys know when – who the last Kings player was to score more than 35 goals in a season was? Ooh, Ooh good question. Is there, is there, is there Ziggy more, more than 35 goals. Is it Ziggy Palfy? Ziggy Palfy oh, in 2002-2003 season. Wow. Wow. Who scored 36 goals last season? Jack Eichel. So there's a little <laughs> there's a little stat to throw at you. And it's funny because, I mean, the Kings have always been looking for that left-wing one. So the fact that I follow is playing, he's playing pretty good up in that position right now, but 
we do need to find that established kind of scoring wingers to play with Kopitar because, like you mentioned, Kopitar's never really had a scoring winger. It's kind of it's kind of been sad to see because I do want to see Kopitar playing with a perennial scorer that he can set up and see how many points Kopitar can get. Kopi can get up to ninety to one hundred points if he had that really high powered scorer uh, playing with him. So, well, he got the ninety too. with Iafalo. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And you he know, might get too, there right? again if this was a full season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, and you know, too, I mean, it doesn't seem possible, but within a couple of years, Kopi's going to be sliding down the lineup a little bit as guys like Byfield and hopefully Velarde, uh, even if Alex Turcott goes back over to center, start moving their way up the lineup. So, you know, having Alex Iafalo down at left wing two or left wing three isn't going to be so bad because eventually Kopi's going to be there with him. Yeah, I think in an ideal world, you know, you have a situation like what the Pens had for many years where you had Crosby, Malik, and Stahl, and, and all three lines had solid centers. You know, if everything goes the way it's supposed to, Kopi would slide down, not because he can't play anymore, but because the other guys will move up and, and prove that they're worthy of that 1C slot, you know? I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Ayafalo being, you know, Ryan, going back to your question, um, I I would give Ayafalo a solid B to B plus as well. And I think long-term, if I'm thinking of what's coming into this team and who I would rather keep and how that fits into what I think this team is going to need going forward, I think you keep I follow over Kempe, honestly. I, I think, you know, I follow does the dirty work. He's okay with digging in. He can produce. I, I think my only disappointment was I think he was trending in a much better direction last season, and I was hoping to see a step forward this season, and I just haven't seen that for whatever reason. It's tough for me to judge when there's been 10-month layoffs for a lot of these guys, but I look at how Brown – and Kopi have come out with a vengeance, and I was really hoping Ayafalo would have kept up with them, and it's only recently that he started kind of showing up on the score sheet more so than just being a passenger on that line, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't have anything else to add to that, really. <laughs> no, I think that pretty much sums it up right there, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah we kind of hit on him with the, the campaign, and we just kind of uh, finished it off there. So the last forward that you guys have is Jared Anderson Dolan. And you guys all know how I feel about him. So go ahead and give us your grades and I'll tell you that you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I give him about as solid an A as I could possibly give him. Tell me why I'm wrong. I uh, just (laughs) an A plus for me. The guy is. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. The mistake was that I wasn't giving him enough credit. No, no, no. The the Kings have uh, points in at least, uh, at least one point in five out of eight games that he's been in. He's been a positive influence on the fourth line. And he's also been bumped up to the third line. And what more could you ask from the guy? Yeah. I think every game that I have witnessed him play and granted, most of that has been with the Grunstrom Moore line, which has been, phenomenal even the last couple games when the kings really didn't look that great as a team but there was brief periods of time i think if i'm remembering correctly where him and velarde were actually playing together too and it's amazing because you would think that gabe again would be the one carrying that but every guy that this this player plays with seems to elevate their game he, he just he's just doing things that um i don't know if i would call them flashy he certainly has flashes of like incredible talent and things that you're a little surprised that he's pulling off. Um, I remember the amazing backhand feed to, to Moore for Moore's first or second goal. I forget, but I mean, he, he threaded that pass between legs straight into the slot, you know, and he started that rush down, down on his own end. So I think he, he catches you off guard. He's not a big guy like Velarde. He's not, you know, a flashy guy like Kempe. He's not doing all these things. And, 
and yet he's consistently putting up points, showing up, playing a solid two-way game, and to the point where the quotes that I had read from the coaching staff and the organization was that they were trying to they were trying to encourage this guy to be more offensive because he had been so responsible on his own end of the ice that they thought he wasn't putting up enough points that, you know, it's just, and that's, that's just so nice to hear. I mean, that's the type of building block player that I think that you, you know, you, you hope for when you draft these guys. Yeah. And Carl, just one quick thing before uh, you get in here Um, to your point, Vardy, his speed was not necessarily an element of this game that I was completely aware of, but you've seen it in so many, as you said, uh, rushes up the ice. You know, yeah. he's created so many chances, and um, it's just I can't give the guy enough credit. You know, the guys all on this podcast here know what big of a fan I am. The player he reminds me most of is Justin Williams. And I, I was thinking about this, like, who does he remind me of? Because when you look at him as an individual and his skill set, I don't think there's anything that truly you would call elite. And I remember always thinking that about Justin Williams. Like, if, so It's like, you know, if someone asked me to describe Justin Williams, it would be very difficult because he wasn't the greatest skater. He didn't have the hardest shot. He didn't have the biggest size. But whatever he did have just seemed to work altogether. And I think Jerry Anderson Dolan reminds me of him in so many ways. It's obviously the character stuff, the intangible stuff is all in line with there with uh, – uh, Williams, uh, and I think the way the, the little hints of creativity, the little hints of ability to finish, Williams had that, had that ability to score big goals, had that ability to surprise you sometimes with a skill play, with a uh, placement of a shot, and you're like, wow, I didn't know he had that until he did it like seven times in the most important parts of the season or in the playoffs, and you're like, okay, now I know what this player is, and I think. We always talk about filling boxes. Dean Lombardi kind of always talked about this player fills this box. I can't think of any player or prospect, I should say prospect, outside of maybe Velarde, where I'm so confident that this player has already locked up a position with the team long-term, as I am with Jared Anderson Dolan. So I have to, I can't argue against the grade at all. Uh, if he's your fourth-line center when you have the likes of Byfield, Turcotte, all these other centers that are coming up, I think you have a very good problem on your hands. <laughs> yes, you'd be, a, you'd be a great winger too. That's why. Yeah, yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, some of them are going to have to move. That's right. That's right. You know, speak, speaking of Byfield, I just wanted to ask you guys: You think he's in the NHL next year? Oh man, I don't know. Oh man, that's he's, so tough. He's so young. He's so young. This is, you know, I, I had this. Uh, my barber is a big Kings fan. He's like, "Why isn't Byfield in the NHL?" And I was like, you know, it's different because everyone's looking at Tim Stutzla and how, you know, dynamic he is. And you could kind of see, okay, this kid next year might really break out. But you have to remember that Stutzla was not only a whole year older than than Quinton, but he's also played against men for the last two seasons. He's been a pro. He's, he's played against 25, 26-year-olds, guys who are fully developed physically uh, and in terms of their game. So I don't. My my thing has always been don't rush young players, but at the same time, in the last handful of years, the NHL is, is trending towards young players making impacts early. So I'm I'm very torn on do, do we want him already to to come in here and show us what he's got, or do we want him to like marinate? To me, we're not ready as a as a team to really make any noise, in my opinion, until maybe t- not next season, the year after. So 
I'm all about keeping him, um, keeping him in, in the junior or I think he'll be AHL next year. I'm not sure where the age cutoff is, but uh, yeah, he's still being junior, right? He's still being so, junior. Yeah. So, and the fact that he's not in junior this year, it makes it even more weird, right? You're like, because <laughs> you're thinking like, okay, he's in the AHL now, and do we like throw him back to junior next year? Because it, it's going to be junior or NHL. Uh, so it's a very weird. I guess my answer, and I know we're going with grades, so I'm going to keep with the theme, is incomplete on, on that question. <laughs> that I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm very, I'm very torn on that. You have to be tempted, um, though. Yeah. Sorry, just real quick, Marty. You yeah. have to be tempted, though, with um, seeing the Ducks promote Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale, and then the Sharks are also talking about promoting some of their young guys in the second half of the season. But but those guys are older though. I think it goes back. But and, and here's I will preface this by saying I think he's going to play in the NHL next season. And I'll I'll tell you, it, in a regular season when he did not have the option to play in the AHL and he would have stayed in juniors this year, I don't think he plays in the NHL next year. But I think this year with them having the ability to put him in the AHL, see what he can do, have him play there for. 18, 25, whatever many games it may be before the OHL restarts again. And I am, I'm pretty confident he's going to get an NHL game in before they send him back. I mean, they're not going to waste the opportunity to get him up and and have him get an NHL game or at least some practices on the taxi squad before they send him back. But I, I don't think as an organization they can take this golden opportunity that they've been handed with him, with Kaliev, um, and having them play AHL minutes, AHL games, come up, practice on the practice squad with the NHL, do all these things without burning a single year off of their NHL contract and then still feel comfortable sending them back next season to the juniors and not being afraid that they're going to develop some terrible habits and backtrack and do all those things. I think that they're they're forcing the Kings' hands in the best way possible, and I think they're going to end up playing NHL hockey next season yeah i mean i honestly on that one i i I tend to think that you know i understand that nobody wants to rush i feel i I get it right but unless that chl nhl agreement changes right which it might which it might because they are talking about that Mm -hmm. they they might you're right but if it doesn't change i I think he's got to be in the nhl next year for the simple reason that he now seems like he's getting pretty comfortable in the ahl i mean he's, he's been on fire for the past few games Right. And to send him back to the OHL, is that really going to do anything for his development to just basically dominate 16 to 17 year olds? I think he's got to be around the Kings coaching staff and around the Kings players to further his development. Cause he's certainly physically ready. There's no doubt about that. Certainly strong enough to play in the NHL. So, you know, that's just my humble opinion. <laughs> yeah, Scott, the other, the other added challenge is he would have to quarantine for a third time this year, sure. thus taking a, two-week break in playing. Yeah, absolutely. Or whatever the protocol is now. I haven't kept up to date, but... Yeah, because yeah, I don't know. I, think, I, think, I, want to quick point on Byfield, I mean, I think the decision the decision for Byfield is kind of almost out of the Kings' hands. I mean, they're almost kind of tied to what is going on up in Canada. I mean, if the OHL starts, you can't send him back. You have to keep him. No. I don't think they're going to play him enough games, mm-hmm. with the seven games, to burn in a year off his ELC, but I think we'll see him on the NHL roster, and I think we'll see probably six games out of him and juggling back and forth between um, healthy scratch and not. Sure. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, I think he was 17 going on 18 when he got drafted. So if he goes 
back to juniors next season. It's his 18-19. He can't play unless the agreement changes. He can't play in the AHL unless he's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So you're not talking just one season in juniors. I think you're talking two full additional seasons in juniors. I mean, that's is that really going to help this kid in any way, honestly? Yeah, it, it's a tough situation. I don't know what going back to junior, if that does a lot of good for him next year. Essentially, you know, a demotion after playing this year in the AHL and, and maybe the NHL at some point. One thing I will say is, you know, he, he really – I wasn't that impressed at the World Juniors. He was pretty quiet. Um, and it's a tournament, you know, if someone's on the precipice of being in the NHL and belonging in the NHL, you kind of want to see them dominate the way a guy like Trevor Zegers did in that tournament. I know you can only put so much stock into the World Juniors, but we, I think we knew, you know, get back to what you know, Kyra was saying, people knew when we drafted Byfield that Stutzel was the more NHL-ready player. The, the betting was Byfield is going to be the better bet long-term. So I'm okay with being patient with him and not necessarily – putting him in the NHL next season unless he really makes it look like he's ready. But at the same time, it is it is going to be tough, you know, after playing this year in the AHL to be like, okay, go back to Sudbury and score 150 points next year. Like, what does that do for him? All right. Well, I guess time will tell. <laughs> All right. So who's next on the list as far as the current roster goes? Uh, let's see. Who did we have? Uh, the next one we wanted to grade. How about we start with Drew Doughty? I give Drew a solid A minus. I think wow. he, uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't expect that. Is that higher or lower than what you thought? <laughs> I thought you were going to go lower. Oh, well, there you go. No, I, I think had he continued playing the way he did the beginning of the season, I would have gone lower, but that's where the minus comes in. I think he's really turned into the you know he's really bought into his spite season shall we say and uh he's done really well i think over the last let's say 20 games or so i think he's played a much quieter game uh and he may disagree with me and we've talked about this before but i think he plays his best game when he plays a quiet effective game he seems to think that like doing he's doing more i think he's doing less and he's doing a fantastic job doing less he's making simple plays getting shots through on the power play, carrying, you know, making a good first pass to start the play and positioning himself much better. That's all I really want from him. And so he gets an A minus from me. Well, that stretch pass up to Kopitar for the shot on net last night is a perfect Beautiful. example of what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't have to go through four sticks. Just put it right where it needs to be. That's it. I'm going to give him a B. Um, <laughs> the reason is, look, the beginning of the year, I had a lot of problems with, with his game. Has he improved? Yes, dramatically, right? Like the last 10, maybe 15 games, specifically the, the work he's doing on the power play, it has been exceptional. So I'm going to give him that all day. But then I, when I think back to the first handful of games of the season, he was not good, man, not good. And, and it's it's very frustrating with him because he is such an elite talent and he cares so much about winning and cares so much about the team that you can't – like. You always love him, even if, even when he's playing poorly. He's the type of player and the type of person from everything we've seen that you always love him. But I want to see more, and I want to see it for a longer period of time before I can I can really give him that A number or letter, I should say. <laughs> well, he's already got it on his sweater anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with both of your guys. Crazy, I mean, I could see it both ways. 
you know, he's had, he's had a really good stretch here lately, lately and he's been, as you said, uh, Carl, uh, fantastic on the power play this year. Great mentor for the for the young guys too. Yeah, I think I think he's the number one reason why the power play is doing so well. I honestly do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's it starts with him, then obviously Kopi uh, and Brown doing kind of cleanup in front of the net. Those three guys, man, the three guys that have been carrying this franchise for ten some odd years. There, those three are the reason why the power play is excelling. I, I have no question in my mind about that. Okay, very good, very good. All right, Matt, so who's next? Matt Roy. We're doing Matt, Matt Roy. Roy. Matt Russell, Roy. We'll talk about him after this. <laughs> um, so for Matt Roy, I'm gonna. Here's the thing. I'm gonna give him a, an A minus, and it's it's strictly because of one thing. And this is this didn't I didn't dig into numbers. I didn't dig into advanced stats. All I know is this: the second he came back into the lineup. The Kings went on a winning streak, or they had one, one, or two, and then the second he came into the lineup, they they seemed like they changed the way they were playing. They played more confident. Um, the defense played much better in their own zone. Pucks were leaving our zone at a better rate. Certainly, it's not all him, but never in my wildest dreams did I think that player would make that big of a difference. Now, granted, at the same time, Sean Walker was, was ailing as well, so they were both out simultaneously, which is a crushing blow. Again, something that Last year, I wouldn't think would be a crushing blow to have Sean Walker and Matt Roy out of the lineup was devastating this season to us. And the second he came back, it seemed like defensively especially, um, we got confidence in our game and we started kind of rattling off wins. Obviously, there are more things to it than that, but I look at that as kind of a spark plug to what occurred in that very beautiful stretch. Yeah, I'm almost the Matt Roy Stan account on Twitter. I mean, <laughs> that guy, anytime he's in the lineup, that's, this team's going to be successful. Like you mentioned, when he was out of the lineup, the team went on that slide, and as soon as he came back, all of a sudden we're on the winning streak. His uh, his uh, analytical numbers speak for themselves. I mean, when he came in as a rookie, or his rookie year, I would say, he, he was great. He, he was putting up better numbers than Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes when it comes to analytics, so... Uh, he's he's that glue on the defensive side, and he's only got he's he's going to be an RFA after this year. And I think the Kings are kind of lucky because he's not really going to be um, looking forward for that big time contract. I mean, if you can get him for a deal between a three to four million range for a couple years to have that kind of production on the blue line, that's that's just going to be great. And we're when we've been looking for that kind of uh, Willie Mitchell, Rob Scuderi type player. He, Matt Roy is all that and more. Can't complain. Yeah. A plus to your, for me. To your point, Russell, and also Carl, I mean, there's a reason that Todd McClellan calls in the steady Eddie. The only thing I will say is I would like to see a little more offense from him. And I guess that goes for the entire defense. I mean, it's really just true Dowdy scoring for the defense. Hey, <laughs> Curtis true. McDermott, so. <laughs> we don't speak uh, that name. Yeah. Be <laughs> <laughs> glad well, he's. You glad he's not on the list today, guys. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Might have been a bloodbath. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> well, and truthfully, Matt, Re- Matt Roy is the reason that they can go out and get an offensive defenseman in the in the offseason and not have to worry about it being so much of a defensive liability because he put him with Roy and he's going to cover him. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Matt's yeah. the kind of player that if you don't notice him, that's a good thing, right? Like we, we said yeah, that right. a lot about Rob Scuderi's game. 
sometimes Millie, uh, Willie Mitchell we said about his game, but I think he's that type of defenseman. I'm going to say that for Mikey Anderson as well. I think the less you notice them, most likely the better they're playing because they're just kind of that steady kind of player. No flash is doing their job uh, and just getting off the ice when they have to. Yeah, I'll go with A minus. I got nothing. Yeah, to I loved that. when he said that he his role his. I loved when he said that his role model was Nicholas Lidstrom. That's like perfect. <laughs> right. That's the exact type of player I see him as. I mean, I don't see him as being as great and winning all those Norris trophies as Nick Lidstrom did. But like you mentioned, if if he's not noticeable during game, then he's playing a great game, and that's exactly what Nick Lidstrom did. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Kind of in right. a perfect segue to right to Sean Walker, then who we just briefly touched on. What do you guys have for him? Um, I give I give Sean Walker a B this season, um, and and some of that is not of his own doing. I think to have half of your season erased from a horrific injury like the one he took is is a challenge for any player to to overcome. And so I think even when he came back from that injury the first four or five games, he just he did not seem like himself. You know, I, I and he just it takes a lot. I think it takes a lot to get the confidence back to get back and playing that way, especially as a defenseman when your job is to be the barrier between the goaltender and the puck. And so it took a little bit, but I feel like over the last couple of games, especially, I have started seeing him going back to playing the way he was last season, where he was carrying the play pushing the offense um, like even last night, like one of the goals was a result of him kind of head faking and making a drive down the half wall and going beyond the, you know, behind the net. That's the type of bold offense that you were hoping to get from him that I think we all saw from him his first season up here and kind of took us all by surprise that we had this kind of player in the system that made us think that like, Hey, we got a, we got a solid second pairing offensive defenseman here, you know? And, and so I give him a B because I think he still clearly has that ability. I think the entire it's it's weird, man. This season's been so weird for so many reasons. I feel like the first six to seven games, they the whole team just looked like garbage. They were just kind of coming back from not having played hockey for ten months. And then just as they were getting things together, you lose Roy, you lose Walker. I mean, the injuries kind of piled up and then there was a lull again. And then finally, once those guys got back, I feel like now you're starting to see them play better, even if they're not necessarily beating the Colorados and the Vegas of the, of the world. I feel like this is closer to what I think this game, what I think this team should be playing like and what their individual players truly play like. And so I think if, if Walker can keep playing the way he is now, maybe that B goes higher up, but right now I, I give him a, I give him a solid B. I think that's a pretty good grade. And you know what? Obviously he's, he's still suffering from the effects of that injury too. You can just see it. I don't know if it's having to have the cage back on or or what. And I think as he gets more time back from that injury, he's going to look better. I do have a yeah, question. I can't imagine his equilibrium is uh, no. Is, there's is no on there. I do have a quick question for you guys though. Do you see him as a long term piece on the LA Kings roster? Another another interesting one. Right now, I would say yes, simply because when you look at the Kings defensive pipeline there isn't too much there where you could see him being supplanted rather easily it's going to take a lot i think to to get him off uh the king's uh top six defense i think austin strand is a great defenseman i think i'd like to see more of him uh obviously uh toby yornfoot who i'm sure will i think we're going to talk about next 
or soon here. I think he's he's another guy that you're you're hoping to t- that he takes strides. But right now, I don't see just don't see anyone really threatening him. I think he's a good player. I think I you know I've already gave him a B. I'll, I'll go a little lower, maybe a B minus, because I think he's a good puck mover. But one thing I've noticed with him is when he does turn it over. He really turns it over. Like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's not. It's not. You don't have to like study the game tape. You know when that Walker turnover happened and how, and how hurt, how much it hurt the team. I go back to that Ducks game where I think it's one of the worst turnovers I've ever seen. It's a. It's, he's, he skates around the net and he. It's a backhand pizza right in front, uh, right into the slot and it's like tic tac toe and it's in the net. Like any other team, if this team was competing, he's gonna be sitting. He's gonna be in the bleachers the next game. He's not playing. He's in the press box. That's 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 how bad it was. And I think if he cleans those up, I think he's he's a hell of a player. He's still a hell of a player, but you clean those things up, I think you're solidifying a spot on this defense uh, now and in the future. He's another he's guy, though, that I want to see more from offensively. And I don't I mean five goals, 19 assists last year. He has just four assists this year. Obviously, you guys touched on it. His injury still plays a part in that. But um, maybe we're starting to see uh, what we saw from him last year, you know, drive into the net and creating scoring chances. Here's here's the hoping. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like his offense has, has fallen off a bit. And, you know, again, that was a really tough injury to deal with this year and come back. And, you know, some guys don't like playing with a cage. I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's affecting him somehow. Um, but, yeah, it would be nice. We, we do need some more offense from the back end for sure. It can't be just – Drew Doughty putting up power play points all year, especially at even strength. We need guys like Walker to, to start generating a little more for us. And Curtis McDermott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? He's, on, an he's offensive, an offensive machine. <laughs> Second leading scorer. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. So I think that's going to pretty much wrap up the defenseman, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, one more. Let's do a quick rate on uh, Tobias Bjornfoot, and then we oh, can okay. move on. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, with Toby, obviously young player, inexperienced. I think he also is the type of player that really needs to steady his game to the point where he's less noticeable. I think last year when he was paired with Dowdy for that very very short stretch, I think we all got a little too excited with him. I think now we see that he needs a lot more maturity to his game because I think his peak is a mature game, a game of poise, right? Like uh, Russell mentioned Nicholas Lidstrom. I think that's with his skill set, I think you want him to be a light version of Lidstrom or a poor man's Lidstrom. I think that's a hell of a ceiling for him. And I think he has that ability to do that. Um, His poise still impresses me, but you see – you see some reads or you see some plays where he's overplaying the puck instead of the man. I think his physicality needs to go up. Um, I think he's a C for me. I think that if that's harsh, I don't know, but I really think maybe no, no uh, not his fault, but I really think we got a little too excited last year when, when he was paired at the top pairing with Dowdy and he showed some promise. And I think now he rolls into the season and every mistake is like so magnified with him because of those expectations. I think he has a lot to learn. I think, of all, you know, from the young defenseman we've seen this year, including Austin Strand, I think he's the one that probably needs the most seasoning. Uh, and I think once he gets that, I'll have more uh, – I'll have him a little higher uh, on my list. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him a C as well, man. I, I just – it's so evident to me from one game to the other that 
in any other situation, he would not be playing NHL minutes. Like he would be given more time to season, more time to develop. He just, I, I don't see a lot of confidence in his game. I think he plays positioning. I think he tries to do the right things, but he doesn't have a lot of flexibility. You know, when things don't quite go exactly right, I just, I don't see him making a smart play to, to bail himself out of situations and stuff. And so I think, uh, respectfully, respectfully, if he is the best defensive prospect that we have or the most advanced defensive prospect that we have right now, I think that's a that's a very, very troublesome spot to be in. That's not to say he can't be great, but he's just not there yet. And I think he's a full probably two seasons away from really being able to to give him a, a fair evaluation. And what, did, what did Carl say earlier about Gabe Velarde? You got you guys know he's 19, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. No, no I'm, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give Toby a B plus. I, I, I mean the the McKinnon goal, or I mean the Kadri goal. Yeah, sure. He's a young kid. He's gonna give up plays like that. He's gonna be aggressive in the defensive zone. I get it. But he has the talent. He's smooth skating. Give him some time. He can be that top four kind of. I don't want to say shutdown kind of defenseman, but he's got a little bit of dynamic uh, game to him. Uh, I see more of like a Nicholas Jalmerson. Jal- is who I see when I watch him play. And he's he's that glue guy that you need for the top four. I can see him a, a second pair uh, left D for a I think I think the um Matt Roy pairing with him has been was pretty was pretty good going for for the first couple of games. His first couple like six games he didn't give up a he wasn't on the ice for a goal against. So that that's really good when a nineteen year old comes in. But, but that's really the Matt Roy effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> go back to Matt Roy if you want, but um, yeah, Toby, Toby's looked great, and as I mentioned, he's only 19 years old. Give him a couple more seasons, and I think he can blossom into that top four kind of defenseman that we need. Yeah, I mean that's you know there's definitely he's going to need some more time. There's no denying that. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, like you like you guys said, this is normally he would be in the AHL. And I almost kind of wonder if they they didn't make a mistake by getting some more defensive uh, depth for this season, just this season alone, really, just to give those time guys like Bjornfoot eh, a little bit more time to percolate. But eh, a little too late now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, and to your point, kind of Russell Jalmerson took four full NHL seasons to eclipse the twenty point mark, and he was twenty six years old. I mean, defensemen just naturally take a little bit longer to um, develop. Absolutely. So he'll get there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. All right, so why don't we move on to the goalies? Which one you, uh, which one of the two you guys want to do first? The easy oh. one or the hard one? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the hard one first. Get it out of the way. <laughs> All right, Johnny Quick. I give him. I give him a C plus, man. I, I really <laughs> I love do. the sigh. I do. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard. You know, it is what it is. It's like you've known going into the season that the writing's kind of on the wall. Is 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 time in a in a king sweater is pretty much numbered for one reason or another, and um, it's just it's hard, man. It's hard for me to watch games like the one last night and just see him not have that same level of mental confidence from one game to the next, you know, he's had his moments. Certainly he's pitched a shutout here and there, I think, but more often than not, and you can blame the team in front of him. And I fully accept that the defense is not, is not what it should be. But the fact is Peterson's playing with the same defense in front of him, and we're getting different results. And so 
there's too many times where, where a puck goes past him or he's forced to make a tough save. And then the rest of the time, he's just swimming. He's just going back and forth. And that's, that's always been a little bit of his game. I, I admit you that it's a lot of reflex and, and athleticism, but it's just not there, man. It's just not from game to game. I'm not seeing him making easy saves. Sometimes I'm not making him seeing him make consistent hard saves. And a lot of times he just looks like he'd rather be anywhere, but there, you know, just fighting the puck a lot. So C plus daggers. Sorry, bro. (laughs) I was talking about this with the guys last night. You throw out his two shutouts against Minnesota and St. Louis. He has a three point, Three six goal against average, solid nineteen eighties goaltending numbers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And this is why I'm a little surprised whenever I see his name come up in trade rumors right now. I was like, I just can't see who would want him. I mean, you know, right? I love <laughs> Jonathan crazy. Quick, yeah, but exactly. given the contract, what's still left on it, the way he's played the last few years, the age, like who looks at at Jonathan Quick as a solution in net for them right now? I think um, teams that are looking to make a playoff run, and they mm-hmm. they still he's they still hope he's got that big game ability to be there and be your second guy when you're when you're making a run. If, if I were the Oilers, I would take a shot at him. There yeah, you go. right. Although yeah. Mike Smith's numbers kind of shocked me when I looked at him the other day. He's having a great year. I I, I don't care what his numbers say. I, I that I don't. I've always said this, Jack. I've always said this. I, I don't care. Show me all the statistics you want. Mike Smith is not a good goalie. I don't care. What he does, that's just that's just how well, I feel. It's oh, like I don't trust him to sustain w. it. I don't trust him to sustain it at all. I just don't know if I'm betting on Quick's contract either. No, well, that's Carl, fair. That's fair. Carl, you and I were kind of going back and forth on Twitter and like uh, Mike Smith's first few games. He had this ridiculous goals against, and then you sent me this message of like him getting him allowing five goals and getting chased. We're like, ah, oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> There's this one highlight this year, and I don't want to go on a Mike Smith tangent. I forgot who scored on it, but it's one of the most horribly angled, horribly goaltended shots I have ever seen. The way he angled this this puck, it was it was hilarious. Anyway, um, who were we talking about? Our goalie, right, Jonathan Quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I gotta, I'm gonna go with. Um, I gotta agree with uh, Vardy's grade and everything. Vardy's Bam. Um, hmm. I know. I, listen, it's it's heartbreaking because. We know who this player is. We know what he's done for us. He's going to the rafters. He's probably a Hall of Famer. He's probably the greatest American goaltender who ever played with respect to Mike Richter. Um, but it, everyone's clock is ticking, man. Everyone's human. And, and as great as Kopi is right now, one day the clock's the kind of the sand's running in the hourglass, and one day it's going to empty at the top. And that's just the way it is. And I think with Quickie, with the expansion draft, yeah, with the expansion draft coming up, I think it's inevitable that one way or another he's his days are numbered with the Kings, and he just doesn't look like the same goalie. Nor do I expect, you know, should we expect this guy with the mileage he has on him, with the type of game he plays, the athleticism he displays. Like, the wear down effect is real. Like, three long playoff runs where he, in one one of which he carried the team. All the years after that, um, he played a lot of games under Daryl. Daryl always played him, he didn't care. As many starts as you can. That's why we had a revolving door of backups because it really didn't matter who our backup was because Quickie's going to play like 60-plus games a year. So it's going to happen, and it hurts me to give him this, this C-plus grade, but I'll always look at him fondly. But I think it's Cal Peterson time right now for the Kings. Yeah, like Vardy mentioned, I mean, a player like – a goaltender like Quickie with, with the athleticism that he kind of brings – that's that's hard to sustain for a, a, a long career. 
I look, we always talk about, like, he's kind of like that Dominic Hossack kind of player. Uh, Dominic Hossack played till he was, what, 43 years old. So you kind of give a lot of credit to him. And I, if if a team can kind of pick him up and give him maybe, like, 30 to 40 games a year and then have him be that playoff-type goaltender he was when he was winning those cups with the Kings, I, I, that's a good pickup. I can see the Penguins maybe making a trade for him. That's a great one, yeah. Yeah, if you can trade, if, if the Kings maybe eat some eat some of that contract, uh, like Jack mentioned, he's got 5.8 left for three more years. That's that's a hefty deal to be paying, especially if he stays on the Kings. We don't really want that kind of contract for a backup goaltender. So if you can make a deal for him, eat some eat some of that deal, uh, eat, or eat some of that contract and trade him to a perennial uh, cup contender, I think he'll succeed if he's given the opportunity. Yeah, I don't think the cap space means anything for the Kings. They'll they'll swallow that no problem. They mm-hmm. got they got space for days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, who knows them better than Ron Hextall, huh? <laughs> no, absolutely, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> I think Calgary's okay in that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> All right, so that leaves Cal Peterson. Yes, it does. Um, I'm going to go with a B for Cal. Uh, I know we throw out a lot of Bs in this episode, but it, 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 I think it's the correct grade for We're kind him. of a B team, aren't we, though? Yeah, the whole team gets a B. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but Cal, listen, he's played, I would say, 75% of his starts have been great performances from him. There's just been one or two where you just kind of go like, oh, Need a little bit more from you there. That one game in Anaheim where it was that shootout, that 6-5 game, I thought it was his yeah. worst game I've ever seen him play. Um, that's going to happen, right? But I think you, what you want is his ability to at least bounce back from goals. And I think that's the one thing that we got spoiled with Jonathan Quick is like it doesn't matter. It never mattered with him how many you scored on him. All he cared about was the next save. And in that game, I saw cracks from Cal. And again, I'm being overcritical, but – that's kind of what we do when we give grades. Um, I saw cracks of a player that once one or two beat him, that he kind of started his body language went somewhere where I don't want to see. Um, and that's that's one of the few times that's happened, but I think he can clean that up a little bit because I think he's a starter. He's a starter right now. If I was Todd McClellan, he would be my number one guy right now, straight away. With Again, with all due respect to the guy before him, I think it's Cal Peterson's time to play. And I think – the, once you give him that, I think he's the type of personality that will thrive on that because it's not official. And I don't know, you know, I've never been in an NHL locker room. I don't think a coach stands in front of the team and says, guys, this is our number one goalie. Like, I don't think that really happens, uh, especially in a situation like this. But I think it's time. And I think um, I like to see him just be a little bit more consistent in his game. I. I give him an A minus, man. I mean, he's been he's been everything you want him to be. It's clear where this is headed. It's clear that he's uh, he's got poise. He's never too high, never too low, in my opinion. Fine. He had one one bad game with body language issues, whatnot. But like, needs to be perfect. Sorry, uh, you're right. You're right. Just like Jonathan Quick, right? The guy who never <laughs> let in a soft goal ever. Um, now he's he's. I I have the utmost confidence in the direction of the goaltending with him at the helm going forward um who the backup will be remains to be seen and probably is not that relevant unless something horrific happens to cal i i'm very confident in having him as the starter going forward for the rest of the season for next season for the next 
five, ten years, honestly. Yeah, the Anaheim game was definitely rough, but I mean, other than that, you know, he's given up three or four or three or fewer goals in twelve of his other fourteen starts. He's got a, still got a nine twenty two on the year, even yeah. with the Anaheim game. So, you know, that one really bad game, yeah. But I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I can't really complain about about Cal Peterson and the difference between him and Quick right now. Honestly, it's pretty stark whenever uh, you see either one play. Yep, absolutely. I was actually amazed Quick started last night, given that they're playing Friday, Sunday, and Monday. I was very surprised to see that. Yeah, yeah man, it's Cal's time. I think it's his crease. And I, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I'd love it if it became more evident. Uh, I think oh. we knew I think we knew Quick and Cal were going to start Sunday and Monday in some order. But, uh, yeah, I expected Cal in essence. He has a better track record against Vegas. Sure. Yeah, I mean, going with, going with Cal game. Friday and then Quickie Sunday and Cal Monday, but I don't think that's going to happen now, guys. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, hey, listen, we've uh, we've been going on for over an hour now. Can you believe that? Yep. You start with a bullet points and then it just spirals. Look, something like this deserves a runtime that's a little longer than that's usual. Right. Right? Oh, that that's right. What's the what's the longest episode that you guys have had? We have a couple hour forties in there sometimes. Oh, we don't okay. even realize we're doing yeah. it. Like we start off and and the next thing I know I look and it's midnight and I'm like, damn it, we did it again. Another thing <laughs> another thing, when you don't record as often as you'd like, you end up yeah. having to cover like three weeks of stuff and you end up going like 90 minutes and you're like, Oh shit, we have a family. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my wife is angry. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, with that said, gentlemen, I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, listen, we just want to thank you guys for coming on and being a part of our show. It was so much fun. And, uh, you know, let's do this again sometime. It'll be our yeah. pleasure, man. Looking forward to Absolutely. it. Thanks guys. Absolutely. Yeah, thank thanks you. Thanks for coming on, guys. And just want to iterate more. It's a collaboration, not a competition. We should all Absolutely. be helping each other out. Absolutely. That's, that's what yeah. every, I mean, honestly, it's all family here. It doesn't matter Absolutely. to us. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. Well, everybody, that was Vardy and Carl from the Bannerman Podcast. Give them a, there you guys are on Apple, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms. So give them a listen when you get a chance. Thanks again, gentlemen. We really appreciate it. See you guys. Cheers, boys. See you guys. All right. Have a good one. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Hockey Royalty Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in, and we will be back in a few days with a new episode. But for now, for Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, for Jack Weber, I'm Scott Kinville signing off. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you, guys.